This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Joining me now on season two, episode three of the draft class podcast here on Nick's Film School is Prez at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Now that I'm over 21, I can say that is not only my favorite beer, but my favorite Nick's draft contributor and that overall hilarious <laughs> overall just someone i like to talk ball with shoot the proverbial crap with um and someone who you as a nick fan should treat the word of as gospel when it comes to the nba draft and i don't say that lightly prez man what the hell is going on how are you i'm good i uh you know, it's funny, every draft, every draft cycle, there comes a point where somebody will tell you or you yourself will realize, oh, I think I'm going crazy. Like I'm at the, <laughs> the very overthinking part. And um, I didn't go in a lot of ways. I didn't go as hard th- this cycle as I have past cycles because I had like a lot of work stuff. And but also I- it helps. It helps motivation wise when the team doesn't have a pick. Yet, oh yeah. For oh, what yeah. It's worth. oh yeah. Oh we'll, yeah. We'll say yet because uh there's always a chance, but yeah, it's uh I don't know. I I'm, I'm like in the deep sleepers part and I'm like what if the Knicks got a pick in the 20s and reached for some dude that nobody was talking about who might be great if x y and z abc things happened and then uh and then Tyrese from the Strickland was like I think you've hit the crazy part of the cycle and I was like oh shit. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> Yeah, you get, you know, you start getting the text like, is Scoot top three? Is he, you know, <laughs> like, like the different people going through the motions of uh, re researching these guys for the ninth time. Yeah, um, not even that. It's like, wh- why shouldn't Kobe Brown go 20? Oh, Kobe. Yeah. Nah, like, he's a, <laughs> the Ricky Council. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The Ricky Council's the, you even, you know, uh, my friend Riley Glenn from over on the Two Intolerable degree pod that I do loves Jaime has uh has guys and it's just yeah. like well should he go top 25 <laughs> you know like yeah. I feel like this draft and I was talking yes. about this with our guy Wilco last week um the 25 I gotta to get th- Wilco on I gotta get Wilco on draft trick thank I you for the reminder you. I beat Dead. you that's my guy <laughs> I love him he's fantastic and we were talking last week about how he thinks 25 to 35 is like that money shot zone mm-hmm. where you're just you're just reigning in value like yeah, Kobe Brown yeah. feels like he could reasonably go in that. I, if he went 48, I'd be like, oh, okay. And if right. he went 24, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. And I, I love it. So, yeah, we sit here um, virtually together to discuss the New York Knicks, to discuss the 2023 draft class. Um, I, I want to ask you a question to start out that was posed to me on one of my dream draft rules, everything around me shows. If you had to detach names from all of this, no prospects existed 
right? Like you, you weren't allowed to know as a scout who's in the draft. You just have to submit a position, you know, like what archetype would best fit the Knicks. Obviously this is a hard ask because certain guys are, you know, case by case. If you had to right now select an archetype, not even just in this draft, but that the Knicks should look to draft their number one priority. What is that archetype? Can they find it in this draft? That's a really good question. Um, and that's one that I, I've thought about for a while. And uh, Strickland writer, Stacy Patton, um, a while back, he wrote this. This might have been in the first year of the Strickland. So like 2020 or 2021, he wrote a piece on that was influenced. The inspiration for the piece was the first initial wave of a uh, Poku craze in that draft um, for uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. And it was about having versatile power forwards who could do different things. And at the time it seemed really important and it still does to me. And I think because fours or big wings, you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't have to be power forward, quote unquote, um, because they can impact defense in all of the parts of the court. I think that means you can get a lot of value there. And because typically fours or big wings are skilled enough to play a lot of different roles without taking much off the table. Um, I think that's really important. So I think a versatile tall player, um, would fill that archetype. Um, Julius is in many ways that kind of player, but you can have more than one of those, which is another awesome thing about that. Oh, the really? <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> uh, the other, the other, the only other answer I would get in terms of um, like archetype the Knicks are missing. Uh, and are we missing this? Is like a could be a whole nother debate, but like. We have Jalen Brunson, who's an amazing scorer. I think having a second big-time pull-up threat is a big deal. Um, Julius was like a facsimile of that. He took so many pull-ups because he had to. Like, other the other players who are getting big minutes are just... They just can't do it. Even guys like quickly, like, he's not taking a ton of pull-up threes per game, and he's not getting a ton of minutes. Um, so that fell to Julius because RJ literally just can't even pretend to do that. And Quentin Grimes doesn't have the ball enough or doesn't get chances to dribble enough to do that. So getting somebody who could come off the bench and maybe in the future start, but at least for now come off the bench and be a really credible pull-up shooter, um, preferably who's a little bigger than quickly. I think that would be the other, the other thing that's missing. Cause you know, as we saw in the playoffs, like it's not really Obi's thing. It's not Josh Hart's thing. And we just so so all of your like ball ball handler ball handler threats that really scare the opponent like all of your hopes for that out of the starting lineup pretty much fall on quickly and if he's hurt then that's it which is what happened right like then we have yep. no other no other dynamic shooting threat on the team um, outside of the starting lineup so uh, the good thing is I think that category more than the versatile four. Um, I think there's actually a quite a bit of that in this draft. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. So f- to go back to the power forward first, I I love just for those watching on YouTube, if you see me like taking notes, it's because I literally am taking notes on what Prez is saying. Like I, this guy, I'm dialed in when he talks. So let's put it that way. When you talk about a power forward with a lot of skills, Prez, would you agree that at that position? And I hate the nominal position Sure. Stuff. Yeah. But like if you are playing big what, skilled guy, like whatever. If you are <laughs> playing what is known as the four, would you agree that there's a magnifying glass on your swing skills? And by that I mean if you're a power forward on the court and you're a great off ball defender, it is going to show. Or if you're a great shooter, it is going to show. Or if you're a bad shooter, it is going to show. Like I, I think just the way the NBA is right now, there's this magnifier on the four spot where whether it's really good or really bad passing high or low feel uh, whatever it is I feel like you notice it more at the four than any other position because of what you were saying about you know how they're deployed would you would you agree with that 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 there's kind of like a, a multiplying factor on on those skills yeah and I'll tell you and I'll tell you beyond just how they're deployed I'll tell you why it seems that way it's because at the one two and three year there's still an expectation there's always been an expectation that you have to be skilled right even like like yeah we have like traditional three and d guys like Kyle Corver type Bruce Bruce Bowen back in the day Shane Battier whatever like but now like smaller players have to be more skilled that's just the way of the league right in a more positionless league you have initiators who are six 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 seven six eight seven feet in case of Jokic, who can do stuff but like most of those initiators are you know shorter than six foot nine centers are not expected to do any of this because they're centers so then you that leaves power forward or the four so we're not the four is not quite like the two and the three spots where there's still always an expectation that if you need to get busy on the ball, you can do that on offense. Um, There's still a lot of fours around the league who can't do that and are fine. But when you do see a guy who can, even in like, whether it's small ball minutes, right. It could be my guy. What's his face. It could be, uh, I don't know. I'm blanking on his name. Gabe, not Gabe. Gabe Vincent is the small one. Caleb Martin. Oh, Maybe Caleb Martin playing the four nominally or whatever, or Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy's a star, so put him aside. But like, if, right. if, if Caleb's playing the four and doing stuff, you're like, oh shit, like that's important because most people don't have that versatility of skill from four positions on the court at the same time, right? And when, when the Knicks are good, that's what you see. That's what makes Julius terrifying is like, oh shit, like fours aren't supposed to be able to both be strong and agile yeah, and nimble. cross that yeah. and nimble. Like it's, He's complete mismatch nightmare. That's why he's all NBA when he's going well, because it's it's so far above the expectation for that position. If you put Julius's skill set and strength and speed and all that into like a small forward, that'd be a really great player. But those sort of like, you know, attempt attempt eight, nine, three pointers a game, like that's more expected from star small forwards than it is from star right. power forwards. Do you look at other star power forwards who are like actual power forwards like Pascal? Laurie's Laurie, like none of these guys take nine threes a game and also be like passing out of double teams and collapsing. Like this is, and those guys are legit stars. So it's, it's still not expected from power forward. So especially 
when you see it on your team, you're like, damn, that's great to have. And then when you don't have it and the other team has it, you're like, damn, we might be, we might have a problem right now. Like, <laughs> For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- 366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Factor. During the spring season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track for reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Too busy to cook this May? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. Going off script for this next part because I personally can't say enough how clutch Factor has been over the last two weeks. I'm talking Jalen Brunson clutch. I'm talking Allen Houston with four seconds against the Miami Heat in 1999 clutch. Whether it's a huge playoff game followed by a late-night post game, I barely have time to prep and cook anything. So, Every time a post game has ended, I grab a factor meal from the fridge, put it right in the microwave, and in two minutes, I've got my dinner ready to go. The future Mrs. Claudio loves factor as well. With her busy schedule with meetings and writing reports all day, being just two minutes away from a healthy, well-cooked, pre-prepared meal is so convenient. This May, get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's code filmschool50 at factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. How do you think that the transition of the center position and I, I'm not trying to act like the wheel has been reinvented. I feel like every 10 years, some writer writes some doom and gloom piece about how the center position is dying. And then five years after like three amazing all time centers emerge from the woodworks and it's like, Oh, okay. Um, but like, okay. There are the Rob Williams and Mitchell Robinson type centers. Mm-hmm. And then there's the bull Chet Wemby Grant Nelson. I'm trying to go everywhere in the freaking outcome tree, but like the drop, the old drop to the new unicorn mm-hmm. <laughs> is how real is that? How real is that looking into next year's draft class and how much does that affect the power forward position? And then I promise we'll get into the pull up shooter debate where we can start putting some 23 draft names on, on these <laughs> targets. No, that's a good question too. Um, I, I, I think the, um, 
when people think of unicorns as centers, they they're mostly imagining centers who can shoot, but that's still mostly actual like an actual unicorn trait. Like most, even most centers who can kind of shoot, like the other team is going to be like, "Go ahead, I don't I don't care." Like whatever, I'm I'm going to clog the paint instead of defend you, Nasreed. And I love Nasreed. So like, Jersey, what it is, Roselle Catholic. I big know. ups. I would I wouldn't be mad. Wouldn't be mad if he came uh came back to the tri-state area. But uh we'll say less for now. Um too loud. But <laughs> what we see more often than the actual shooter, like like is is centers who can do stuff with the ball, right? Whether that's like short roll passing or like great handoffs and stuff like like handoffs especially like i think of robert like nobody is like oh robert williams unicorn right but like or nobody's even gonna be like oh robert williams center with handle but like skill i I feel like people just think he's a run dunk jump right which he's not he he's his ability to just like do crazy it's the same with hartenstein he does things (laughs) he does stuff (laughs) with the ball and can really mess you up and he can pass really well um, it's the same th- reason why we've been all like clamoring for Hartenstein to be allowed to do more passing, which that, you know, he was a little bit at the end of the season. So that was cool. And then like a degree up from that is not just passing and stuff like that, but actually dribbling and driving to the hoop and taking Euro steps and things like that, which is, that's where you get to like guys like Nas Reed or, um, I don't know, uh, Maybe Jalen Duran one day. Oh, puppy. Um, yeah, I, I, had a, I got a visitor. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, centers like it's always overstated. Like, oh, like this position is dying. And especially now with like guys coming in and put Wemby aside for a second. But like, you know, my one of the guys I've, I've loved the whole cycle is Lively, Derek Lively from Duke. And, and P, I, he's a perfect example because I think people think, oh, he's not a skilled center. He didn't shoot. Um, he's a run and dunk center. And, Maybe, but his assist rate was, uh, I think, the only centers that centers who have been drafted in the first round who have had assist rates like him out of the NCAA who are also good defenders are Joel Embiid and Robert Williams, and that's it. And those guys' passing ability translated pretty well. So um, there's a lot of more ways to be skilled for centers other than just shoot. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm higher on Lively is because, yeah, he might not be driving or crossing people up, but like he can do those kind of like handoffs and the passing. And also he might be able to actually shoot. So uh, I'm like, if the, so you're telling me there's a guy who's like one of the best defensive center prospects of the last 10 years. And there's even a chance he can shoot and do like cool handoff passes and, and just generally be a, like, why, why, why is he outside of anybody's lottery? Right. Like, so that's how, uh, that's how I kind of view it. Um, and it's funny because even though you get the wave of people talking about like the center position is back, right? Like Jokic and Wemby. And then you look at all the mocks and, and lively is still like 20, 25 on people's boards. Um, yeah. it's Y'all like don't see it. Y'all don't no, see it. <laughs> you know, no matter how good of a season Bijan had, they were going to get made fun of for taking him at eighth overall. It just doesn't. It when there's so much of a perception around a certain posi- position, and yes, I just dipped into NFL world there for that analogy. But like, 
it's going to affect everything, the market mm. it's going to, affect, you know, um, I also think the contracts that went out to guys like towns and Aiton and the return yeah. those teams have gotten on those contracts point. and go bear has something to do with this too, because the people in the front offices who already think they're right about centers being dead now definitely think they're right. You know, it's just a very different kind of, evaluation than any other position because at the end of the day ball in hand fun dribble crazy cool dunk sells tickets and like you know how replaceable is the center um so you've still got lively in the lottery that's cool you had him 14 last time i looked at your board has he bumped up from there with the you know the, the pro day shooting or anything like that i haven't i gotta i gotta do my new board and, all right oh, that's and fair. stuff like that but he's probably gonna jump up a couple of spots yeah so earlier you talked about the pull-up shooting um if you are a supporter of nick's film school then you do watch jeremy cohen you do know about cap or no cap and you have seen the legions of evidence that the Knicks love pull-up shooters at the two and three spot. Even if you don't, you've watched Evan Fournier, you've watched Alec Burks, you've watched Kemba Walker, you've watched the guys that they go out and and target whether they're they're good or bad, what kind of players they are. Um, and you can learn from there. Obviously, Jeremy's name is Pods. Brandon Podzemski is is his guy. He loves he loves the profile on paper um, for the team and all that. Uh, so I asked, you know, I talked to Wilco about him. You know, obviously, it's going to be you know, if Jeremy brings someone up, they're going to be brought up on this show. Um, where are you on him? And in general, with the pull up shooters in this draft class, like, okay, mm-hmm. the Knicks, you know, the, the Knicks are probably going to be running a nine man rotation. As so long as uh, St. Thomas of Thibodeau is, is, is their head coach. Right. And I, I do say that lovingly. I did have a, a really great time covering that guy this season and interacting with him. I, I don't mean that demeaningly. Um, I just, when you have someone as confident in their tenets as him, he gets to be a basketball saint. That's what that is. Um, and, and there's, there's Brunson, there's quickly, there's Grimes, there's Hart, there's Barrett. You know, one, one of those guys is kind of going to have to wiggle if there's going to be minutes, but in a big deal, long-term where a star comes in, okay, well, then yeah, players are getting moved left and right. So, you know, how do you view the Knicks moving into say the end of the first round? And I, I, I highlighted the difference of the end of the first round versus the start of the second round, which as we all know, is the extra year of cost controlled play. Um, how would you feel about the Knicks going into the back of the first to get someone like pods to get someone like, can I say Derek Whitehead would count here as well? Yeah, sure. So, so guys like that, that, you know, maybe would be 35th overall picks or 20th overall picks, depending on the draft class, but would be available in that late first range, you know, whoever's there, whatever they do. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel about that? And I know that's like the worst way to ask a question, but that's the best way to get you running is kind of to just let you vibe. So I'm going to go with that is just how do you Listen, feel about a Podzemski, about a whitehead, about adding a young pull-up shooter? Prez always supports talking about feelings. Okay. Listeners talk about your feelings, do it with your friends, do it on your podcasts. I would be ecstatic. I think that would be the ideal outcome. I have no, this draft is so good at the top that like, 
I'm just assuming the cost to get in there in the lottery is like some something crazy. So not worth it. Yeah, I said the same thing on the last draft class episode. It's just the, and the even risk, if you even if it reward. might be worth it, it's just it's just a lot. Like spending three hundred dollars on shoes might the shoes might be worth it to me. That doesn't mean I'm gonna do it. Like I don't got. $300 to spend on shoes every day. Only sometimes when I'm drunk in their sales. Um, so, you know, you know how it goes. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, jokes aside, the second end of the first round, like there's just so much, the tier, the tier that starts probably in like the early twenties and goes through fucking damn near 40 means that there's probably going to be good players there. And then when you add on, the likelihood of, you know, normal draft day surprises, meaning maybe one guy falls from who's expected to go in the top 16 falls into the twenties. Maybe it's four guys who, who the heck knows, right? Like every year there's multiple surprises in the top 20, sometimes good, sometimes baffling. And it just means this year, more than any other year, there's, there's probably going to be some, real talent there. Um, I don't, it remains to be seen how that fits into the puzzle of like playing time and roster space and also players going out as the Knicks look to retool or perhaps tweak the roster or perhaps more than tweak the roster if they decide to make major moves. Right. Which I'm sure, you know, this front office seems like the kind of group that doesn't really take anything off the table except for maybe trading Jalen Brunson. So, uh, I, I think all of that stuff is possibly in play and certainly the talent in this class would make them think twice about doing that. Um, I was joking with somebody else on Twitter. Uh, The Knicks are like so secretive with who is working out for them. And I'm like, I just wish I had some info on who's going in there. They're probably bringing these fucking 19 year olds and 20 year olds to Tarrytown in a black van unmarked. Just so nobody knows. Meanwhile, you got other teams like the Pacers, like anybody who comes in and works for us gets a full 10 minute interview on YouTube. Like, and, and other franchises give out the same, you know, like evaluators, team employees at workouts are given i'm trying to find a piece of paper i could hold to simulate this for our watchers on youtube <laughs> they're given a piece of paper that has everyone's photo that's going to be there that day and a little bio with information so that the people who work for the team can look at the workouts and go oh that's that guy every media member that's there because they're allowed there are are, are given one as well um I don't want to act like a stalker, but I will say mm-hmm. that unmarked black vans is like, was a joke and it's actually not far off. Um, I believe it because we know they're working people out and we know if it was like the Knicks mobile, people would notice. Well, listen, I can tell you that they were, you know, they were having trade negotiations uh, ahead of the draft last year and they chartered a couple unmarked, you know, like, limousine type black right. vehicles for Nick players on the roster at the time to meet with executives of other teams and see if they'd be a fit or not in their franchise. Like this is people joke about the Leon Rose, you know, like Leon Soprano regime, but um, this business is business with the New York Knicks nowadays. And, and if, if you especially think <laughs> of the position the Knicks are in, not having a draft pick, it's even more important to be secretive now because if the Knicks bring, let's say we, we let's use the guy who we're talking about, 
Pazemski, like, let's say they bring him in for a workout and everybody knows about it. Oh, my God. Everybody knows the Knicks are trying to trade into the 20s now. The end. All the other teams, like, that have multiple excess picks and all that are going to be like, oh, this is what they thirsting for. We're going to... We're going to squeeze a little tighter when them trade negotiations come. And yeah, if the Knicks do this secretly, other teams will still be like, they're probably trying to do it. But that extra doubt when, you know, Leon or Zanuck or Perrin is like, ah, we don't want to trade into the first that badly. We're going to walk away. Have a nice day like that. Every little bit matters, right? Like as we saw in, in the Donnie negotiations, like, it seems kind of silly, but it, it really all adds up. And this next team is all about advantages in the margins, as we know, right? Like a zillion analytics staff and a billion scouts and all this stuff like that. Like they, anything that's not cap constrained, they can help them out. They're going to do that for the most part. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. Yeah, I you know, KJ Williams, 6'10 LSU big, right. worked out for the Knicks, apparently, according to his Instagram story. <laughs> like that's where KJ we're Williams, at. They probably like, look, this is our address. You can Uber there. We'll reimburse you. Like it's okay. <laughs> ah, damn. All right. Listen, they got Craig Porter Jr. coming up for a workout. Um, they worked out Antonio Reeves, uh, but he withdrew. So he'll be next year. Uh, they spoke with Grant Nelson, but he withdrew. So he'll be next year. Uh, Sonogo scheduled to work out. I think it happened. Um, and they met with Gigi Jackson and Andre Jackson. Uh, and Justin Powell has had a workout with them. It's like the list you kind of have to, piece it together via Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. stories. Um, but yeah, so we get to the kind of, I'll go ahead and say uh, <laughs> final stage of this episode, not in the sense of, I only have one question left, but it, it's time to, it's time to get a little wacky and it's, it's time to get a little wonky. You, have to tell me right now the answer to the following questions. If you had to guess one player that is a Nick after draft night, yeah, and you can say a prospect. If you want to really throw us for a loop, you can say a player on another team that they trade for. But if you had to hope, you know, primarily a prospect uh, who you think could really end up on the team. Um, and then also, who's the one guy that if Prez was, you know, if we had Walt Prezin running the team, worldwide Prez running the team. Who who's getting drafted? Who's the one guy in this draft class that to you is like the Knicks would be in such a great spot if they added him. And the caveat for both of those is we know they're not trading into the lottery. So let's yeah stick yeah, yeah. out of that, stick out of that range. 
Yeah. Um, so that is a good alley-oop for me to catch and throw down and tell listeners of Draft Class to go read the piece I wrote, which is a very long, funny, convoluted way of trying to answer the question, what would Walt Perrin do? And looking at past Knicks prospects who we've picked, as well as past Knicks past prospects who the Knicks have been reported to feel strongly about and yet not pick and glean from that collection of players, commonalities, players they look for, traits in those players, um, statistical traits, athletic traits, yada, 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 stuff like that. Um, And I came up with a list of uh, who seems to kind of shake out and fit that bill and, you know, some of the players, again, this doesn't really have to do with like, are they going to be a top 10 pick or not? This is just traits, right? You can have these traits in the top 10 or in the second round. And um, AirPods was definitely one of them. One of the guys who ranked pretty highly. Um, Kobe Bufkin ranked pretty highly. Jordan Hawkins ranked the highest. I think he's probably going to go, if not Lotto, close to Lotto. So I'm... Lakers at 17 have been the long mocked spot. So that'd be good for them. Ron Ron loves his Yukon guards that win natties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except this time it might actually help. Uh, Shout out to (laughs) shout out to my guy Shabazz. I wasn't going to say the name, man. You did it. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, you know, special place in, in my heart as a, as a Boricua. Um, Where are you playing now? Is he, he's not in the NBA though. How wrong am I? If I say Puerto Rico, (laughs) Yo, the Puerto Rico league is lit right now. So I got to get down there and watch like Boogie and Tyreek Evans. and all uh, Yeah, dudes. Tyreek is act, like unironically awesome. Uh, Guangdong Southern Tigers for Shabazz. There you go. Nope, the- that's Shabazz Muhammad. <laughs> oh, damn. Google. Cut. <laughs> okay. N- Napier Olympia Milano of Syria Italian league. Okay. That's more respectable than Guangdong. Like. He's probably making some nice money there. So shout hey, out to Bass. Good for, shit. Good for Bass. Um, Marcus Sasser rated out. This is actually, I'm curious of what you think of this. So like Marcus Sasser was the only other player who rated out as highly as Jordan Hawkins in my very scientific system. And, uh, you know, championship-ish guard, um, older, ridiculous shooter, physical, strong defender, even though he's short. And if we didn't have such a guard glut, I'd, I'd bet all the money that we were going to draft him in the end of the first or the beginning of the second, but we got all these guards. So I don't, I don't know. I just don't think barring a trade where guards go out um, that we would take him. So Sasser feels, I have the feeling, the reason I've made that face the second you said his name is because he gives me the, Oh, such a Nick feeling mm-hmm, the way that mm-hmm. that Deuce McBride did. And I don't know if that he's like if Deuce and IQ sense. had a baby. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, it's this vibe of like he, no one, no GM is going to watch him and be like, I would take that guy in the lottery, but he could very well go top 20 in a redraft in five years. And it's just mm-hmm. like, Ooh, that's such a Nick. <laughs> um, right. That's been, especially if the price is cheap. I just, th- does that, are the Knicks in a position where they can be bringing in someone like Marcus Sasser, which would spell the end of Emmanuel quickly or Grimes, one of the two on the team, which we know would be quickly. Yeah, or uh, well, 
he like to to credit Jeremy Cohen again, as much as I love Deuce McBride and think he's a real player, he's like not real in the sense that he doesn't factor into their team building plans. He just right, is around right. and good when he is around. Right. I think if he's, he pops again, it's like bonus. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Okay. Um, no, w- wake up with five dollars in your pocket. You're like, all right. <laughs> you know, it's like cover almost all, half of breakfast. Like, <laughs> so um, I think I think I think for a second round ish level, like a vague, like end of first, second round ish player. I think, I don't think Deuce factored into the team building. I think he would factor into the draft consideration. I don't think, because ultimately if you draft a Marcus Sasser, you're going to have to answer the question. Like, does he need to play to develop? And if the answer is yes, it's does he deserve playing time over Deuce? Cause Deuce is the last guy on the roster among the guards. So like Deuce was similarly like end of first beginning of second round very impactful despite really not being that good at offense yeah so if he's decent at offense next year then all of a sudden you're like oh the bar is kind of high for marcus sasser to play over him so like in that sense you have to consider it but yeah, i agree yeah. on the whole I, like I'm with this you. is why to answer your question my my answer is not marcus sasser i don't think i don't think he would be the guy i think it would be someone taller um as much as i love my guy bryce i don't think he plays enough defense for them. I think he would drive them too crazy on defense. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with the guy I mentioned earlier, jokingly, Kobe Brown. I think ever since I was like a late deep dive on him and this happens every year. There's a handful of players. Quentin Grimes was the guy they, during his class where I didn't do my homework on him till the very end, till right before the combine. And then he killed the combine. And I was like, Oh snap. Like uh-huh. this guy feels like a Nick. And then they took him. So I'm saying Kobe Brown. I think Obi's going out. I think Kobe's a great spot up shooter. I think he's incredibly smart. I think he's old enough that he might not have as much development left in the table, but he's ready to hoop right now. This guy is 250 pounds and he's a great looking 250 pounds. So if they get him to get stronger and even more slim, get him to a slim 240, that's a that's a physical player right there. That's a ball so, of clay. Yeah, that's a ball that's of a, clay. That's a ball of that's a that's a sheetrock of marble or something. That dude is <laughs> he's a strong. That's a strong young man right there. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, with Kobe Brown for a guy who I like gun to my head. Just think we're gonna end up with see them. Yeah, and then who you would take would be it'd be Bryce. Okay, L- yeah. Long time press followers know I I am probably higher than most on Bryce. He's he's just like his defense. He does have a long way to go on defense, but this is the type of situation where to me, the value is just too great. I'm not trying to de-nuance your take, which is very intelligent on Bryce, but like <laughs> to, to summarize it, you don't care about the defense. <laughs> like, to, to, yeah. To I don't care. No, I don't care about the defense <laughs> in light of the offense. Like I think you can get him from, cause to me with someone like Bryce with his offensive talent, you're not asking him to become a plus defender. You're asking him to be fine. Right? Like, it's all good. It's all easy for people on draft day or in the weeks, months leading up to draft day to be like, well, it's important that role players and scorers can play defense lest they get played off the court. Let me tell you something. Tyrese Maxey was a very solid defensive prospect as a young 18 year old. He ain't played a lick of defense in the NBA. Neither has Tyrese Halliburton. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Both of them are nuclear enough on offense that it doesn't matter. If you get that in the future, cool. They'll probably become max players. Halliburton might might become a max player anyway because he's a point guard. But like, 
you take their offense to the bank, you're already talking 20 million a year. So to me, Bryce is a guy who's like, it's going to be an easy path if he gets minutes to, to contributing on offense and making and becoming a game changing role player at the very minimum. So if you can get that at 25, 26, 27, you should do that. Well, that's, that's insane value for sensible who I, well, actually, where do I have, you know, I love doing this on drop class, just pulling up my board and being like, Oh, here he's at 15 right now on mine. So 28 would be really good uh, to me as well. Here's my question for you about Bryce Sensabaugh. Does he ever play the four at the NBA level? I wouldn't want him to play the four, which is where I differ from most Bryce fans and people who follow. I'm I'm actually, I'm with you because I don't like his rebounding enough for him to be a four. And I think like two on offense, three on defense or just three on both. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's fine. And I'm, I'm very much like, Yay, positional versatility, but I'm kind of a my bar's a little higher from like most famously, everybody's like, Oh, why don't we play RJ at the four? And I'm like, I don't want to play RJ at the four, dude. He's like the size of a strong shooting guard. Like, can we not? Like, I like my force. Like, again, this goes back to the versatile four thing. Yeah, you can, if you play a small guy at the four, that means you have more ball skills, but you lose the things that make a four impactful, which is the ability to impact your rim defense positively and to rebound positively and uh, to just take up space on the court as a help defender. And like the more you move a, a two or a three up a slot, the less likely they are to do those things because compared to a larger player. So um, it is cool to have, you know, a skilled floor stretching player. The heat do it all the time. So it can, it can definitely work, but like ideally, I'm like, teams are going to like, teams are eventually just going to take advantage of that. Like, and you're seeing that with Miami, like Aaron Gordon is cutting to the hoop. Christian Brown is cutting to the hoop and there's not a goddamn thing. Anyone on the heat who's not named bam can do about it. Cause well, that, that's what you were talking to me when you said Caleb Martin at the four earlier, I was like, let me not bring up that he's unplayable against Aaron Gordon to ruin prizes point there. <laughs> right. And, Aaron, and, and the nuggets have like a bunch of big dudes, right? Like it's, I mean, they're, they're, a great team who may win the championship for a reason. This is part of that, right? Like Aaron Gordon's really good and skilled and huge. So is Michael Porter Jr. Like uncle Jeff green is pretty big, right? Like they got a lot of these dudes. Special so, player. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Jeff green. So, I mean, like for, for the regular season, I get why people say that. It's just funny to me that like a lot of the same people who are like, Oh yeah, just play Bryce at the four, play Derek. Can Derek play the four? Can RJ play the four are the same people who are like, you know, like sticklers for like, oh, we can't draft the role player who can't contribute on defense. And I'm like, oh, what, now we're stopping bending the rules of positionality. Right. Like, come on, come on now. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. 
This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Fair. All right. I want to ask you about agendas that have surfaced, whether from draft Twitter or draft analysts or credentialed writers. I, I'm I'm going to throw you an agenda and I just need you to let me know, buy or sell. If you so please, you can throw in a sentence on why. But I'm 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 also no, I don't need to speed round this, but I think is this for is, the Knicks or in a vacuum in a vacuum. I All think right. there is something to getting you to answer these quickly and getting your gut jerk reaction. If you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm not I trying do, to rush I you. Do, I could do this with the timer. We could go. We could do it. <laughs> I'm not trying to rush you, but like, I do want to kind of rush you. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, put some, put some game show music. All right. Agenda number one. The Kobe Bufkin hype train is going 300 kilometers an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hopping on it? I hopped on it and then I moved to the back of the train. <laughs> That's my cop out answer. <laughs> I am okay watching it zoom by. I am not going to personally embark on that journey. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at. You. Okay. Schwinn. Epu from your beloved Strickland has unveiled to me a Noah Clowney draft agenda buy yeah. or sell for the Knicks. Um, 
buy, but they'll never do it because I don't run the Knicks. They run the Knicks very differently. Right. Well, I that's do. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I won't. I'm asking you. Come on. Yeah. I, I just like uh, the five. My five second thing on that is like, I think there is a value to get to draft a player who you plant the seed now and it blossoms when you're sat when when every bit of salary matters in two or three years and you're really good. Kavon Looney is a comp for him. Uh, no. Okay. No. Yeah. My guy Kevon has turned into like Dennis Rodman somehow. Oh so. yeah. He's <laughs> dead. Nice. He's so good um, at rebounding. <laughs> agenda. Next agenda is the Grady Dick ceiling debate. It does. He have star potential. Where are you on that? <laughs> so I'll give listeners uh, a sneak pick, a sneak, sneak pick, sneak peek of, um, I was working on my disrespectful comparisons last night. I'm way behind. Not, why do you think first, I'm? Why do you think I'm doing these with you? This man? is the first <laughs> year I re- I felt pressure writing it. It was too big of a hit last year. Now I got to live up to that. Before I was just doing this in obscurity. So right now my high end ceiling outcome in my draft disrespectful comparisons article is three six mafia era Memphis Mike Miller as the top version of him, which is probably mostly just going to confuse people below the age of 25. (laughs) But for people above the age of 30 are going to be like, oh, that's that's a really good player. Like he won rookie of the year. He was a real hooper with size. who could put it on the deck who could rebound. Um, So is that a star? Yes, that's a star player. Love it. Okay, Matt Powers on Twitter recently compared Anthony Black and Bruce Brown. Your reaction was? Ooh, shout out, shout out, pow, pow. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I didn't think about that, but I kind of like that. I think Ann is like two inches taller, but yeah, they're, he, both, he they're both twitched up. I'm kind of waiting for uh, teams to try to do that with players. And, and I think that's the thing with Anthony Black is like, he could totally become a player like Bruce Brown, but there would have to be a team that says, we want you to do that as opposed to, we want to try to make you Josh Giddy. Right, which is what I think. What most teams are trying I, to do. I, I, I think there's a chance he goes at six, like Giddy did to Orlando, to try to make him Josh Giddy. I just, you, yeah, you know, sure. I, I think that reeks of that to me, and I say reeks for a reason because I, I think there's a joy in being a superstar in your role. I think winning teams are built of guys who are superstars in their roles, and chasing someone who may may be decent in a giant role just doesn't, not my thing. Um, I have a disrespectful comparison for you. And I've got two of them. So I will steal. If they're good, I will use them and credit you. (laughs) I'm running these by you as the final. And I promise final questions (laughs) of this show. Brandon Miller, Cam Johnson. I guess that would be what I would say would be a mid outcome. Like not the super low, but I I really like Cam John. I think he's really good. Me too. No, I I think that's a, that's a really good one. Um, And I I think it's, it's hilarious because even though Cam Johnson is good, just getting a Cam Johnson comp is automatically going to be interpreted as disrespectful. (laughs) And I hate it. (laughs) I can't stand it. (laughs) Cam is a 20 million a year player. Damn it. (laughs) And and, and he's getting better. Right. And you know, like, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. My mid level right now for him on my thing is if Gallinari didn't have back issues. (laughs) So there's that <laughs> word, <laughs> which is similar to Cam Johnson. If we're, that's yeah, like, that, hey, they're man. very similar. Hey man, <laughs> you my man. low my low end draft one is prime Knicks Quentin Richardson. So there you go. Respect Q Rich. Shout out Q Rich. 
my last one is is you know I this is the player I'm gonna comp this prospect to I love, but again, especially Duke fans would view this as a disrespectful comp. Low end outcome for Derek Whitehead, tall KCP. That would be a phenomenal low end outcome. I I I want to say it's in between low and mid, but I think. Yeah. My low, my my draft low end outcome for him is much more disrespectful, and you'll I'll have to give it to you because it's a mm-hmm. New Jersey related comparison. It is Jersey club music Jeremy Lamb. That's my low end. Okay, I get that. So taller KC. All right, I, I guess KCP would be the low end. Taller KCP, which is what I, you know that he is taller. Aren't they? Would like, be, what? How tall is KCP? Isn't KCP only like six five? Oh, so Derek's like an inch taller than him. <laughs> yeah, that stuff matters. And less yeah. athletic. <laughs> I'm just six five, Derek's six seven, according to Google. So okay, okay, we'll allow it. <laughs> okay, so that's for that. I'll go with mid for that. But yeah, I just wanted to run a couple of those by you because you're the best at them, and I wanted to know what you thought. Okay, I might steal the Cam Johnson. FYI. Hey, man, <laughs> do it. Do it. I love that comp. I'm proud of that comp. It's a good um, one. And I think people are scared of it because it means that they're months of this is the next uh, Paul, Kawhi, George, Leonard, Griffin, uh, AJ, uh, uh, Tayshawn Prince, uh, Larry Bird. So, you know, I just I, I think comparisons are evil. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. But instead of being corny, I'm just going to go with draft comparisons suck to, to translate comparison is the thief of joy into a draft saying how much do you think cam is going to get per year new cba minimum 22 okay exactly so listeners listen y'all need to know cam johnson is a 20 million dollar a year player at minimum and you also need to know that prez had cam johnson 11th on his draft board that year so hey now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the funk, the funk flex exactly. explosion. All right. Well, on that note, if you're in New York City, go to a cash register, reach your hand in. That money is yours. Um, <laughs> Prez, thanks for joining us. <laughs> I love having my own show, man. That it's very me. Is I'll, I'll leave it like that. Prez, plug things in. Like my show is a wall outlet. Let's hear it. Yeah, so stretch run. Um, we got some good stuff coming out. The Strickland has had uh, some neat articles. We've had our big ja- our big board. Go check out the Walt Parent article I mentioned. That's cool. Um, friend of the pod or friend of the website, Kurt, is going to publish an article on stashes, both what we think of as stashes uh, internationally and you know domestic stashes, which is. A thing we're seeing now, right? As the Thunder take third, guys like, third two-way team. like Uzi Jang, right? Oh, yeah, or two-way. Yeah, exactly. Third, so third two-way slot just opened up for teams. So that's, there's, that's, just, there's too much talent in the NBA for talent to not meaningfully develop in the G League now. So I think teams are going to um, take advantage of that. Anyway, this is what the article is about. So it'll be cool. It'll probably drop sometime next week. So check that out. You're a real one for shouting out an article that's not yours. I will add on to that and say that Kurt has done a piece on stash prospects before, and it was freaking fantastic. So I'm actually now very excited to see this year's. Um, you should be very excited if you haven't consumed Prez's draft content that you have so much amazing stuff to go get on. Go check out 
Prez and what he does on Twitter. Uh, it, I didn't even go into the world of jump shot projection with him because I know that's where his like PhD is at. I kind of like making Prez a little uncomfortable, keep him on his toes. You know, I can't can't let him be in his wheelhouse for too too long. It's not so. a PhD. It's more like the person <laughs> who's in jail and just reads a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was going with the shot doctor part. Which is valid knowledge. Let people know that's very valid knowledge. Don't let education and what is education be defined by uh, people in positions of power. There you go. Love that shout at the end because at the end of the day, I agree. Listen, you're done listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Draft Class Season 2, Episode 3. Go support Prez. Stay tuned on Twitter to the Knicks Film School social feeds for all the content that we're putting out. Also, for all the draft content that I'm putting out, big boards, mock drafts, what would KP do, mock drafts, all of these things coming now and soon before the draft. So get, get ready, stay ready. We're about to be locked in. Prez, thank you so much for joining me, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Almost said pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> You got it. Peace out, everyone. Stay tuned.